And welcome to the WAN Show, ladies and gentlemen. Second time's a charm. We've got a lot of great topics for you guys today, and we're going to do our best as we go through them to sound like we're just learning about them for the first time. <laughs> I mean, something I found out about really and legitimately not that long ago was Dr. Disrespect allegedly has been banned permanently from Twitch. Uh, this is something that's not in our doc. Uh, the earliest reference I can find to it is from about four or five hours ago, so this is very much breaking news and uh, we can talk a little bit about what the heck might be going on on Twitch right now because they are having a bit of a PR crisis at this moment in time. Uh, in other news, oh yeah, more streaming news. Uh, Microsoft Axis Mixer joins the dark side. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Oh. Ah, so Facebook Gaming joins wow. uh, joins forces with Facebook Gaming, and there's a whole bunch of implications there. And uh, it, Luke, I know you love the CPU topics. I know you love it. You you love it. Tell us about tell us about the CPU news. This, this week. one, this one in particular, is actually quite fantastic. Intel claims superior gaming performance over AMD. Ooh, yeah, yeah. See, that makes sense. Oh, oh, wait, Here's wait, the wait for it. graphics card for the comparison. <laughs> oh no, no. Okay, I kind of want to jump in oh. right now and just get started on this topic. Can I just start on this topic? We, we got an intro roll, man. No, no, I want to start this topic. Also, Microsoft to permanently no, close no, all want... physical retail stores. That, all of them? All of them. All the retail stores. You have got to be kidding me. Just this the first time. <laughs> okay, we say it a lot. We yes. say it a lot. It's going to be a great show today, guys. We've got a lot to talk about today, guys. Sometimes we really lie. Good. Sometimes we got nothing. Today we got everything. There's so There's much to talk about. There's some hot fire this week, okay? It's fire. It's fire, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah. All right. We're going to... Let's just, let's roll the intro, and then I want to dive right into that Intel thing, because it is just brutal. Yes. Oh. Rolling that intro. Oh yeah, right. We got uh, some sponsors today. Uh, uh, but uh, 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 Moss Backpacks, Vesti Footwear, and Anchor with the Power Expand. Power Expand. Wow, that really sounds a lot dirtier than it probably is. Power Expand. <laughs> Whoa, it's hot. Hot just like the news this week. Okay. Uh, why don't we jump into this Intel thing right off the hop here? This was they should, posted. They should. Uh... They should enlarge that product stack and get like the power extend. The power extend. <laughs> the power girthinator. The power spreader. Ooh. Oh, wow. That is very, very uncomfortable, Luke. Thank you for that mental <laughs> image. Schwelmo92 posted this on the forum. And here's the story. Underscore Row Game, a respected hardware leaker, has just shared some slides from Intel comparing gaming performance of their 10th generation 10750H mobile processors in an MSI GL65 laptop versus the AMD Zen 2 R9 4900HS mobile processor in the Zephyrus G14. And if you guys remember from our review of the Zephyrus G14, the Ryzen 9 4900HS is, I think the HS is short for hot stuff. 
because <laughs> that thing is freaking fire. Not that it actually runs hot. It actually runs really cool. Its performance is just absolutely outstanding. It is right up there when it comes to gaming with AMD's desktop flagship processors. Um, however, Intel saw fit to put AMD in their place. And the slides uh, reference here. Hold on. Let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can pull these slides up here because this is high freaking hilarious. Uh, blah, 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 display capture. Um, let's go ahead and uh, not do that. Actually, that's not what I meant to do. Uh, you know what? That actually worked out really great. Um, fine. Sure. Let's roll with it. Here we go. Superior gaming performance for gamers with 10th gen core platforms at a lower price. So base is sort of what they, um, the terminology they use to describe Team Red over here. And then up to 20% better, up to 22% better, up to 18% better, up to 20% better, up to 23% better. And not to forget up to 23% better again except we've got a small problem here if we just use our technology to enhance 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 okay if we enhanced it enough man this page does not does not enhanceimulate very well here we let's let's enhance a different way hold on we got more enhancing to do let me just enhance this. Hold on. Give me a second here, ladies and gentlemen. You know, there we go. It's kind of weird while you're busy enhancing. Yeah, yeah. Is that the, the, they, they use little laptops to display this information, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but they look like MacBooks. Oh, is that later on in the thing? Uh, we'll have to get to that later. Give me, give me a, oh, oh, that's cute. Oh, they're little laptops. I thought they just had lines under them. That's adorable. No. All right. Yeah. So this is interesting. We've got a Core i7-10750H right there. Got some base clocks and boost clocks. Got some core counts and uh, TDP ratings and cool stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It's a 10, 10 watt lower TDP for the AMD processor. That's interesting. Uh, also noted in here is NVIDIA RTX 2060 and NVIDIA RTX 2060 Max-Q. Now, that wouldn't normally be as big of a problem, except that NVIDIA has gone and created some very, very confusion-y confusion around their RTX 2060 because they went and did a little thing where they refreshed their 2070 and 2080 mobile GPUs with super variants. And so it was very clear that those had better performance than the 2070 and 2080 that they replaced. But then at the same time, they went and replaced their 2060 without calling it a super, but, but they made the performance way better. So what's actually going on here is the Zephyrus G14 is running an older version of the RTX 2060 that doesn't have the, the, the super under the hood, even though NVIDIA's marketing people didn't see fit to include that bloody information. And the Intel laptop, even though it's running a, uh, oh yeah, sorry, is not only not running a Max-Q, but seems to be running a full tilt um, 2060, so a Max P, as it's uh, sort of colloquially known, uh, is not only running a Max P, but it's also running the newer variant. 
this is this is this is this is my this is my understanding of what uh, what went down here. So, uh, so at the very least, even if the the difference in uh, hold on a second, that's not in my notes. The bit about um, Nvidia refreshing the card. So maybe they're both new ones. You know what? It doesn't matter. What they should have done at honestly, least. Yeah, they, they should have just they should have just colored both bars green. <laughs> Nvidia versus Nvidia. Yeah. <laughs> So here's what happened, okay? At the very least, even if uh, NVIDIA's branding thing, which I went off about and isn't in my notes, so maybe it's not true, and I'm I'm very hesitant to, like, double down on stuff these days, even if that isn't what happened. (laughs) At the very least, it's a Max-Q versus a Max-P. We are talking a 65-watt GPU versus a 90-watt one, and the 65-watt one one is limited to a boost of about 1185 megahertz, while the Max-P one, the full tilt one, runs at 1560. So that is an increase in clock speed of, hold on just a moment here, let me do some quick napkin math, which I do in a calculator app now, because what freaking year is it? Uh, 1560. Hold on, Luke, can you just refresh me real quick here uh, on uh, what were the claims that Intel made with respect to the performance delta between these two laptops, these Intel and AMD laptops here? At a minimum delta of 18 to 23%. 18 to 20%. So 15, sorry, 60. Up to. Up to, yes. The lowest up to was 18%. So how much is. Up to was 23. How much is 15, 60 versus 1185? Well, that happens to be a 31.6% increase in clock speed. That's real wow. awkward. Yeah. It's, that's real. It's real awkward right now. It's got real like, awkward it's like in here. A, like there's a partial other throttle on the system yeah it's almost uh, stopping it from going that much faster okay i wouldn't i wouldn't actually i wouldn't actually say that um because i mean i wouldn't actually say what they're saying either, yeah bumping so bumping just... bumping your gpu clock 25 percent does not yield 25 yeah. percent more frames per second so i don't want to i don't yeah. want to accuse intel of also being slower in addition to uh not doing these benchmarks correctly but Here's the problem, guys. Like, this is the kind of stuff that makes, like, it's just embarrassing, you know? It's just, you're either evil or stupid at this point. Those are the only two options. And I, I will say, at, at least they did. It, it's a little slightly odd that they didn't bold. Uh, I don't know if it's even a bold. They didn't highlight in white the graphics card on the Zephyrus G14, but they did on the... Uh, MSI GL65. At least they did include that information. We have seen like inside benchmarks uh, completely hide that type of information in the past. They could have definitely just included the model of the laptop and not noted the graphics card that's in there because it, it probably would have covered that unless these are laptops that come in multiple variants. Uh, but usually there would be a, a suffix of some kind. Um, so th- there's like some things going for them there, I guess. At least yeah. they were very clear about what they were doing. They just shouldn't have done it. No, they shouldn't have done it. There's actually quite a few things in here that they shouldn't have done. And there's something that really... It, it, oh, man, one of the reasons this bothers me is that when Intel destroys their own credibility, they go and destroy the credibility of people that they work with as well. This has been bothering me since last night when I was reading the comments on a TechWiki video that we did on what exactly is a process node. Because I think to the to the layperson, it's not really clear like why it is that 
14 nanometer versus 10 nanometer is, you know, a full process node shrink, you know, or, you know, why is it that, um, why is it that going from 14 to 10 is a process node, whereas going from, uh, hold on, I'm, I, it's hard to do this math in my head, so hold on, 90 times 0.7 equals uh, 16, well, while you're yeah, doing 65 that, Another nanometer. thing that would have been yeah. really nice is if they, if they actually, like, using base for every single one of uh, the, the AMD performance lines is is kind of annoying. Oh, we can Not get back to that. Not showing that the baseline is actually zero. Okay. There's okay. a bunch of stuff in there. We're, we're going to get, don't yeah. worry. We're going to get back to that. We're going to get back okay. to that. But okay. we did a video basically just explaining why it is that you have to go from 90 nanometer all the way down to 65. And then you only have to go from 14 nanometer down to 10 and then from 10 down to seven to qualify as a full process node. And the comments on the, we we reached out to Intel to get some clarification on this subject because they were kind of there the whole time. Um, and the video is nothing but factual. And the people that we were talking to at Intel were not just, you know, marketing wankers um, or anything like that. Like they were actual technical people who we talked to. Um, and instead of people just being able to look at this video and go, hey, here's some information about a thing that I didn't know about. It's now stained by some of the marketing that Intel is doing. So when I said in the video, um, you know, hey, you got to remember that the process node is not the be all and end all. People are misinterpreting that as some kind of an Intel talking point. That was actually something that I added on my own. Not because you got to remember a lot of Intel's marketing over the years has been around how many freaking nanometers they're at. And this video was an explainer of how that number and the meaning of it has actually shifted over time. It's just informative. It wasn't sponsored by Intel. And the information that's in the video is nothing to do with Intel's current marketing messaging. When I said that, the thing that I was actually thinking of was NVIDIA versus AMD right now. AMD is a node ahead of NVIDIA and getting absolutely curb stomped in terms of everything from performance to efficiency. That is just the situation. The reality of it is that not everything is just down to how many nanometers you have. Another example that I didn't get into in depth in the video because it was beyond the scope of the tech quickie, like it's supposed to be quick, it's supposed to be focused, was that you can optimize a given manufacturing process, like a, a given you know, nanometer size, a given transistor size, you can optimize it for uh, high power parts or low power parts. I remember we ran into this when, oh man, which node was NVIDIA stuck on for freaking ever in the Maxwell days? Um, it escapes me right now. It doesn't really matter. The point is that there were smaller processes available, but they were more optimized for high efficiency, low power parts, and were not properly optimized for a GPU, which yeah. is why NVIDIA opted to stay on a previous node that had better optimizations for their use case versus just jumping to a node for the sake of having a lower, you know, nanometer number that they could put in their marketing. That's the point I was trying to make. And yet the the comment section on this video is full of people accusing me, ex Intel basically, accusing Intel and by extension me of trying to downplay that AMD is on 7 nanometer and Intel is still stuck on 14 nanometer for a lot of their products and just finally shipping some 10 nanometer stuff. 
And it's like, no, that wasn't even one of the things Intel mentioned. That was just something that I felt was important for people to know. And another thing that I said at the end of the video, and this, this is really pissing me off right now, was I said that at the end of the day, when you are shopping for a computer processor, it comes down to the real world performance in the applications that you actually use. And because of Intel's stupid statements that they've been making recently about how you know, pretty much downplaying actual real world performance in real benchmarks because they're making the argument that a lot of people don't use those particular applications. I'm getting caught up in this kind of crossfire where people are saying I'm some kind of an Intel shill because I'm saying real world performance and applications that you use is what is important when you shop for a product. That is true. That is true today. It'll be true 10 years from now. It was true 10 years and 20 years ago, and it has absolutely nothing to do with Intel's marketing. The problem is that Intel is muddying the waters. They're taking a benchmark like Cinebench and they're saying, well, we should be putting less emphasis on this and we should be putting more emphasis on the applications that people are legitimately using every day. The problem is that here we've got a slide from this great article over on videocards.com. Hold on, where's this slide go? And for video editing, they're using Magic's Fast Cut Plus. The f*** is Magic's Fast Cut Plus? And who the f*** is using it? How is that more real world than like, you know, Cinema 4D, which is an actual application that real actual professionals do use. So people are drawing this false parallel between what I said, which is that if you're going to shop for, if, if all you ever do is play Fortnite, that's, that's all you do. You go to work, you get home, you turn on your computer, you play Fortnite, you go to sleep, you wake up in the morning, you go to work, rinse and repeat. If that's all you do, then the only thing that matters to you when you choose a CPU is how many FPS you get in Fortnite. That's it. That's all that matters because that's what you actually do with your computer. You shouldn't buy a processor based on how good it is at running Cinebench or how good it is at running Adobe Premiere or whatever the case may be. That is a 100% truth. The issue is that Intel is using that truth as a shield and then twisting the narrative around to applications that people don't necessarily use. <sighs> that was intense. That was, that was my rant. I, I was just really upset by people when I was reading the comments on that video because A, I'm being accused of being a paid shill when I'm not. All we did is talk to people at Intel who told, gave us real information, nothing to do with these dumb slides, which I promise you we are going to get back to in a moment here, and people not understanding the video. It was a bit of a deeper dive video. And I can see how some people who think they're very smart and very perceptive and, oh, I'm seeing through the BS on this, actually just had no idea what I was talking about and defaulted to criticizing instead of just trying to actually understand what I was saying. I can see how there might have been some of that. But, um, you know, there's just no excuse for it. If you don't understand the video, don't leave a comment. There was nothing in that video that was wrong. And I said nothing in that video that was, uh, that was an Intel marketing point that wasn't just completely correct. Now let's get into the problems with Intel's marketing that are making them look bad, making me look bad, and making their partners look bad. <sighs> okay, I'm going back to display capture. Guys, you can check out this full thing over on videocards.com. It really is worth a looky-loo because there's some, there's some just kind of 
shockingly frustrating stuff in here. Sorry, I'm just going to give it a little resizey size here so you guys can get a good look here. So, all right. Market landscape, blah, blah, blah. Now, these slides were limited distri distribution, not for end users. But the reality of it is, is if you're Intel, you're kind of a big voice. And whenever you say something, people sit up and take notice. So you can't pretend that when you're saying something, it's not going to eventually end up in front of the eyeballs of end users. It's just the way that it works. I'm sorry, guys, I don't make the rules. We live so, in the information age. Yeah, you got to deal with that. Um, what do PC users actually do? Office applications, games, media consumption, light content creation, and game streaming. And this seems to be color coded according to, I don't know what this color coding is. This is this is stupid. These are stupid colors. Uh, all right. So Chrome has a popularity of sixty three percent. I don't know why they would arbitrarily isolate Chrome as web browsing. I would say if you just said web browsing, it would have a popularity of a hundred percent. But you know, whatever. Minor details. Uh, Word, Steam, WinRAR. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, oh man. See, okay, okay. We got we got some problems here. Like this is people making this slide that I feel like don't properly understand how people use their computers. WinRAR might have a popularity of thirty-seven percent in the sense that thirty-seven percent of people have it or something similar installed on their computer. When it comes to the percentage of time that I actually spend using WinRAR, like what? What fraction of a percent would that be for you, Luke? I don't. <laughs> I haven't used. Okay, I haven't used WinRAR in an extremely long time. Yeah, I haven't used WinRAR specifically in a very yeah, long time. Yeah. A, a like application, I would say, like some Seven tiny, zip. tiny decimal of a of a percentage. Sure. Yeah. Someone in chat said zero point zero 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 one. I'll yeah. agree with that. Yeah, like once in a while when I download something that for whatever reason doesn't go straight into uh, like a game launcher. Um, all right, so so WinRAR. And you could make the argument that unzipping games is also like a, a WinRAR-like application. So I guess I do it a little more often than that 0. 0.0001% or whatever. Uh, but yeah. let's have a look at some of the other things that are showing up as popular, popular uses. Uh, OBS at 5%. I actually find that very hard to believe. What, what, how are you getting, I find all these, that's the problem with these numbers is it's not like this is an invalid exercise, figuring out what people actually do with their computers and then determining the value of your product compared to your competitor by looking at these things people actually do with their computers. I just, I just don't understand these numbers. Outlook is 17.6%. When was the last time the CPU made a difference to Outlook performance? And and how do you how could you possibly say that OBS has a five percent popularity? What does that even mean? I so I I think these slides are probably for people that are like the the product managers at at various companies, and I think it is a little bit negatively manipulative for that reason. But I don't. It's probably not. Okay, some of them like I'm extremely surprised. Twenty one point two seven percent on VLC. I was I, I was it. gonna. That was my next one. That was my next one. There's yeah. no way. There's just no I, way. Yeah. Um, CS:GO is also written really weird. There, there's there's some stuff in here that's really weird. But like being put, putting a thing up and being like, look, this is this is what most people use is not useless to no, a product manager that might not. be a little bit spaced, but it's being misused, I think. Absolutely. These numbers feel very arbitrary. So then we move on to some of the other slides here. Gaming. 
the 9700KL performs the 3950X in popular games. Fair, fair point. Um, I don't know that I would say that Far Cry New Dawn and Far Cry 5 are especially popular games right now in this moment. Um, or almost any of these. To be completely fair, well, World Middle of Earth Shadow maybe. of War is Whoa, kind of that's old, an old game. Uh, well, there, yeah, it kind of is. Far Cry New Dawn is kind of old. Far Total Cry Warhammer kind of Two, old. Total Warhammer Two, that's that's actually current. There's a bunch of these that people definitely play, but like yeah. this is not. If 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 we want to go back up to the what do PC users actually do uh, graph, if you try to apply that to these games, they're going to be really low percentages. Yes. Uh, okay, so now let's talk frequency advantage drives Intel's gaming leadership. Okay, so like we and like some of these examples. Sorry to just jump back in. Yeah, like World of Tanks. Like yeah, okay. If you have a ninety-seven hundred K, you're probably fine in World of Tanks. If you have a Ryzen nine thirty-nine fifty X, you're fine in World of Tanks. So like you're not. I yeah, Intel needs to get their story straight because they can say that, you know, oh, yeah, it's only applicable to uh, a small percentage of users, uh, you know, Cinema 4D, which they have on there as 0.54%, or Adobe Premiere, which they have on as 3.7%. That's only applicable to a small percentage of users. I would make the argument that an 11 to 18% FPS improvement in most games is only applicable to competitive players who are a very small percentage of users. Um, and, and a much better chart that they could have given is these are the applications uh this is the percentage of usage of these various applications that someone who's actually in the market for this processor will use not yeah. people that just use computers in general so they they want to kind of have their cake and eat it too or excuse me eat their cake and have it too i've been corrected on that it actually makes a lot more sense that way um so they want to say okay well these things aren't that important so we should like ignore them but also rah 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 we've got this thing that i would make the argument that once you get beyond probably in the neighborhood of 75 to uh, 120 or so FPS, it, it is a point of extremely diminishing returns for the vast majority of people. I consider myself pretty sensitive to low FPS. Like if there's a stutter or a frame rate dip, I'm gonna feel it if I get down to 70 to 85 FPS. But beyond about 100, I usually can't tell, especially if I'm using like um, a, a refresh rate synchronization technology like G-Sync or FreeSync. Okay, moving on. Frequency drives Intel's gaming leadership. Yes, having higher frequency versus more cores is more important for gaming these days. And there's a reason that they chose the 9700K specifically. It's a six core processor and boosting up the frequency does tend to give you better return. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, hold on a second. Where's your power consumption slide? I don't see one. That's unfortunate. Anyway, um, CPU performance based on real-world usage. Yes, this is a CPU that costs half as much, but AMD could easily pick and choose their comparer points as well. They could just as easily have taken Intel's 9900KS special edition or you know 10900K or whatever and compared it to something like a 3600 or 3600X, and they would have also looked really good in terms of price performance. You don't get to take your value gaming chip and put it up against someone else's flagship chip. They should have put it up against a 3800X or something like that. Something that's at least remotely price comparable. Um, now we get on to the everyday workload slide. Like this whole thing just really annoys me. So that's where we've got this stupid Magix Fast Cut Plus powered by Intel QuickSync Video up to 2.7 times faster. Yeah, that's the problem with QuickSync Video though, is that the support for it is so limited that 
it's sort of a it's sort of a nothing burger. Like when you can find something that uses yeah. it, it's awesome. But the reality of it is that when it comes to video editing, most people are not using that tool. Most people are using Adobe Creative Cloud, and if they can't afford Adobe Creative Cloud, they are either using DaVinci Resolve or they are pirating Adobe Creative Cloud. <laughs> Look, I don't make the rules, Luke. Like, but that's yeah. that's the way it is. Or they're on Final Cut because they're using a Mac. Very few people are actually able to take advantage of that 2.7 times faster, which is a very real advantage. And when you use, you know, something like uh, when you use an, a, you know, an actual dedicated encoding application and you can take advantage of that path, it really is fast. But GPUs are also catching up. So Adobe in the latest beta of Premiere and Media Encoder added support for CUDA. So it's now faster and supposedly without a quality drawback, although we haven't actually tested that internally yet. Um, but why, you know, why make the apples to apples comparison of the Intel chip with NVIDIA encoding and the AMD chip with NVIDIA encoding when you can pick and like cherry, cherry pick this example where you get to be 2.7 times faster. <sighs> office productivity, this is, this is great. 8% better office productivity. I mean, like, Man, we need the Pepsi challenge back, ladies and gentlemen. Do you think you could detect 8% better uh, PowerPoint? Office productivity? No. PowerPoint performance? No. Nope. In a blind taste test? Nope. I, I would like to say that I could. I would like to say that I am that sensitive towards performance improvements, but uh, in, in productivity suites, I'm, I'm not going to notice it. Which... I, I might be able to potentially at, at certain levels of performance within gaming, but not office productivity. Which isn't to say that there's anything necessarily wrong with pointing out that in no. Sysmark 2018, you have up to 7% better scores compared to your competitor that cost twice as much. There's nothing inherently wrong with saying, hey, well, you know, yeah, 7% might not be a big deal, but hey, 7% is better than a kick in the teeth, ain't it? It's just that they didn't manage to find any application and, where AMD outperformed them, even though those things do exist. So it's and, and, so and the disingenuous. Thing is when, when, when you have a list of charts like this, where like you, you start with that one that's just brutal of like the, which we need to get back to still, the, the like no numbers on either side of the graph, AMD's listed as base up to whatever percentage, we use a different graphics card, all this other kind of stuff. Every single other slide after that, what the heck? Every single slide after that becomes highly questionable. And now, now we're going to look at things like the 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 small amount of desktop, uh, sorry, not desktop, uh, productivity suite performance increase. Which normally we would just scroll over that slide and be like, yeah, whatever, I don't really care, it doesn't matter, and move forward. Um, but but now it, it, we want to call it out because we want to call everything out. Just you, you can avoid these problems by just not being fishy in the first place. Yeah. Here's a really weird one. Like when? Okay, you know what? I'm I'm not going to go too hard at this next slide because, uh, based on the timing, I think that um, AMD's Zen two value processors might not have been out yet. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna slam them for this. Uh, Intel really did deliver a better gaming experience on the low end uh, before AMD was uh, had Zen 2 uh, chips available. So the Ryzen 3100 and 3300, those are those are killer. Um, the 3400G really was probably not worth settling for for gaming. So I'm not going to go after them for that. So let's go back 
to that one slide that you had wanted to talk about. Uh, which one was the one you wanted or to one, get back one, to? One quick thing before we go back. Yeah. Um, if you look at the very next slide after everyday workloads. Yep. Elite real world performance for gaming and creating. Yeah, this is all versus their last gen, I think. So you also notice what they included? Hold on a second. Can I have a look here? Wait, why is video editing in here? Oh, gaming and creating. Okay, sure, fine. Versus three. Okay, they, they just pick and choose what they're comparing against. Okay. No, 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 no. Wait, what? Look, no. At, look at the video editing application that is used. Oh, no. What? What is it? I can't even tell. Premiere. Wait, what? Now they use Premiere. They have the logo right there, PR. Oh, there it is. Oh, you got to be kidding me. That is ridiculous. Okay, I you know what? That's really ridiculous. You're right. You're right. But I'm going to I'm going to move on to more cherry picking here. And they just sure. seem to have seemingly arbitrarily chosen what they want to compare against here. <laughs> the games? Hold on a second. Uh let me just let me just move this. Elite real world performance. Here we go. So up to 33% more uh whatever this is. Is this what is this? Gaming? Uh more FPS versus their yeah. own previous gen. Okay. Up to 81% more versus three-year-old PC. Uh, okay. Up to 187 FPS. What does that what does that even mean? Up to 2x better mega tasking. What am I like what am I even okay? Th three-year-old PC. Never mind. I, I only saw that over here. I thought okay, previous gen. Okay, okay, all right, all right. So these are all internal comparisons against yeah. their own stuff. So that's fine. I'm less mad about that. But still. The percentage stuff I'm not too worried about. <sighs> it's just the fact that they 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 cherry picked their example that no one uses previously yeah. for video editing. And then they went and, and they then, used Premiere when it mattered. Yeah. And they're like, well, we know we, we know this one's the actually important one. So we're going to include it in this later slide and just hope nobody notices. So here's the bottom line. Real world performance matters. Intel is not wrong in that sense. The thing that is wrong is taking someone else's benchmark that you feel is not real world representative enough and substituting your own equally not representative of the real world benchmark. Okay, when I said in that video, I'm going back to the comments on that TechWiki video again. When I said in that video that real world performance is what matters, that is like an age old wisdom that comes from back when CPU reviews used to contain almost nothing but the following. Stupid, meaningless, arbitrary synthetic benchmarks like SciSoft Sandra, which just measures things like millions of instructions per second, which doesn't necessarily translate to the real world, okay? So a purely synthetic benchmark. It would also contain things like um, oh yes, right. Synthetic gaming benchmarks like 3D Mark 2001 or whatever. Back then, it, the tools to to measure the FPS of real games were much more rudimentary, very yeah. very difficult to use if you could get anything working at all. Um, and and you couldn't get the same amount of like detail, you know, frame times and stuff like that. We didn't have tools for measuring it, so you'd get these synthetic games that ultimately could be meaningless. You could have one CPU that performs twice as good in you know 3D Mark and then half as well in an actual game that people are actually playing. So that's why that was important, getting away from synthetic game benchmarks. And then the other thing that you'd have was, uh, oh, what was the other one that I had wanted to point out? Right, yeah, totally unrealistic real-world 
gaming applications. Like people would run, you know, Quake 3 at 640 by 480 uh, just to show, you know, what the maximum FPS that a CPU could drive was when you remove the GPU as a bottleneck. And there is still some validity, particularly to that last one, because it does tell you, okay, when you remove the GPU as a bottleneck, how many FPS can you get? So it's like turning a game all the way down to low settings and saying, which one at the at the, the end of the day is the better like gaming CPU? Um, so you're, you're trying to effectively like extrapolate to when games get more demanding, you know, which one is going to keep up for longer. Um, but that doesn't inform how the user is actually going to use the computer. None of those things do. And that's why there was a big shift to real-world benchmarks. And whether Intel likes it or not, Cinema 4D is a real-world application that real people do actually use, even if it's very few of them. And one of the nice things about it, for a reviewer, is that it tends to give us a really quick look at you know what to expect in an application that uh, scales really well across multiple cores. So it's not synthetic. And if you don't like, you know, Cinema 4D or Cinebench or whatever, you could say that. You could say that specific benchmark we don't feel is applicable to many people. And, I, and they have said that. But you don't get to then pick your own random benchmarks or real-world applications that nobody uses and substitute those. That is my point, And that all, is all I have to say about it. Now, Intel, stop embarrassing yourself and stop embarrassing me because I have the, you know, poor sense to talk to you about something as basic as, you know, what a die shrink means and then have people jump down my throat because they think that what I'm saying is somehow part of your dumb bench marketing. <sighs> I'm calm now. You want to talk about Dr. Disrespect getting banned from Twitch? Wait, Luke, I can't hear you. I can't hear you, Luke. Right, sorry. There's people cheering outside my window. So there he is. Muted my mic. Uh, may maybe talk to Shrout about how you should present some of this stuff before you present some of this stuff and stop assuming that just because you put a usage guideline, limited distribution, not suitable for end user messaging, that it's not going to leak. All of these things. Leak. And besides, if it's not they suitable for, leak. if it's not suitable for end user messaging, it's not suitable for partner messaging. You just shouldn't be saying it if you wouldn't say it to a customer. If it could be considered misleading to say to a customer, you should never say it to anyone. That's, that should be your rule. And I thought you yeah. were talking to me when you were like, talk to Shroud. I'm like, why do I have to talk to no. Shroud? I, no. I don't need to talk to Shroud. I know, I know Shroud, Shroud knows his stuff. So we're talking about Ryan Shroud, who used to run PC Perspective and is now at Intel. Like, that's all these guys have to do, talk to Shroud, because he would be able to look at that, that slide deck and say, whoa, we cannot show this to anybody. All right, let's talk about... Dr. Disrespect getting banned from Twitch. So I have no idea if these two things are related, but there has been uh, a, a, a sort of resurgence in the hashtag MeToo movement, this time uh, quite laser-focused on Twitch. We don't technically know that this one is in line with that. I we haven't don't personally seen any public anything yet about it. That nope, has, nothing. Um, no real yeah. information. What it we could do, be. We have no idea. What we do know, and the reason that I was tying those things together is not because I think, I, I don't remember his real name, unfortunately, but uh, not because I think that uh, Loop loop something? Is it? You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, not because I think that um, these things are necessarily directly related or that he was involved in any kind of sexual misconduct. I have no idea. I don't know the guy. But um, what I think it could be related to is 
platforms like Twitch suddenly realizing, and I don't know why it took this long, that they really need to take some responsibility for the people that they partner with, because that's what the meaning of the word partner is. When you're a Twitch partner, you are you are partnered, and whether you know whether you know you're Amazon and you put in your contract that uh, you know I cannot in any way. Um, uh, imply that I am associated with Amazon or affiliated affiliated that's the word because it used to be called Amazon affiliate and they changed it to Amazon associates so uh, in the contract it says that I can't say that I'm affiliated with Amazon formally in any way um, but you actually still go to affiliate-amazon.com or whatever it is to access the Amazon Associates program. So whenever you have a word like affiliate, I think that's why Amazon got rid of it, or partner, you create this perception that you are, you know, working together. And they are. They're, they're giving money to this, this individual or these individuals, and these individuals are creating content for their platform. It is a partnership. It's a symbiotic partnership. And I think what Twitch is realizing as part of this Me Too moment that is happening on Twitch right now, where everyone from prominent streamers to partner managers is being accused of impropriety right now, is that, holy crap, it actually reflects on us when our partners do stuff that is terrible. So I don't know ultimately what Dr. Disrespect did. Uh, part of his character is being disrespectful and he has definitely yeah. done stuff that I think, um, you know, if he were employed at more of a conventional media organization, like a, like a news outlet, for example, would have gotten him absolutely fired and completely unhirable ever again, like that incident where uh, he live streamed in a public bathroom. Um, so I don't know exactly what he did. I suspect that it's just, well, even if it's not directly related to what's going on right now with hashtag me too over on Twitch, it is probably related to some kind of thing that I find believable that he might have done. Um, and they, they probably just want to create some distance. Now, I have a bit of a tinfoil hat theory, but I'm going to wait until uh, you see if Luke has sort of two cents to chime in here first. Tinfoil hat theory is coming, though. Um, I, I have heard a bunch of different ideas on this. And, and as far as I know, there's no, there's no publicly I can't wait. asserted ones that are solved. The one, I don't watch his stream. I don't really watch Twitch streams in general. Every once in a while, I'll jump on Summit stream because I find his GTARP stuff really entertaining. Sure. And I like it when he plays Sea of Thieves. Um, but I'm, I'm not really a Twitch viewer. But uh, there's apparently some potential theories that it could be a... Um, what is it, FTC violation due to some undisclosed sponsorships? Oh, that seems... No, I don't know. You know what? That doesn't make sense to me, though, because my understanding of those guidelines is that ultimately they fall back on the individual, or excuse me, on the brand, not on the individual themselves. Now, I haven't looked at the guidelines lately because for us, it's a lot easier to just make sure that our disclosures are all in line. Um, than to you know figure out what the consequences are. But when yeah. I went back through this a while ago, someone submitted a complaint to some kind of Canadian regulatory body that uh, we weren't disclosing sponsorships. Um, so I went through and I I really immersed myself in the in the in the um, 
and the documentation for this stuff. I went through both the American and Canadian ones because uh, I'm Canadian and a lot of our partners are American. I felt like I needed to understand it on both sides of the border. And we ultimately were uh, found by the Canadian organization to have not been um, in violation of anything, of any of their standards, uh, because they accused us of not disclosing a sponsorship. But I was like, this video that they flagged here, we disclosed the sponsorship literally three times, once verbally, uh, again in text, and then a third time verbally. It's like, what are you talking about? Um, anyway, the point is, the last time I looked at it, my understanding was that when there was a violation, it ultimately reflected on the brand that was paying, not on the influencer themselves. So there was sort of a really um, sort of Wild West era there, anywhere from probably three to 10 years ago, where what was happening was brands did not properly understand these guidelines slash they didn't exist yet. And influencers didn't care because ultimately nothing bad could happen to them. So there were a lot of undisclosed sponsorships going around. Well, here's the problem. Brands started to wise up when I think it what what was it uh, Xbox got in trouble when they had a bunch of like undisclosed uh, partnerships around the Xbox One launch. They had people playing games and not disclosing that they were sponsored by Microsoft. Do you remember that, Luke? Uh, yes. I think that was sort of like a watershed moment for all of this when everyone kind of woke up and went, oh, it's actually Microsoft that they're going to go after. So it is very typical now for non-shady companies to have really, really strict guidelines in their partner contracts about how you have to disclose and it's all in line with the FTC. Now, there's, there's lots of companies that don't bother or don't understand it or think they're just going to skirt around it. And I have seen still even now like even as as recently as this year and last year um some videos go up that i know for a fact are spo are sponsored because like you know i worked on a video with the brand at around that same time with similar a similar spin on it similar messaging but for whatever reason mine is disclosed and the other person's isn't um or ones where i know from talking to the brand like who they're working with and i see the video go up and i'm like oh yeah that's uh <clears throat> <laughs> not disclosed. That's interesting. Um, so it's definitely still happening, but it's not nearly as prevalent as it was even two, three years ago. Um, so yeah, can I can I go tinfoil hat for a second here? Yeah. Okay. I think that it could be any reason. I think it could be some kind of accusation. I think it could be uh, whatever the thing you said that sounded credible was some kind of undisclosed sponsorship thing. I think it could be that. I think that um, he's probably done enough things that are bannable at this point that, um, you well, know, there, they, there was they... some theory, there was some theory in the past that he would intentionally get himself in trouble. Um, sure. Yep. Trying to get temp bans and stuff like that, because it really actually lined up quite well with his character. Yeah. With his brand um, and it gets him a bunch of press. Okay. So yeah. whatever the reason is, part of me kind of goes, you know what? Maybe it actually doesn't matter. Maybe what Twitch is realizing is, like I said before, they have a responsibility to their brand to associate or partner with people who are going to reflect on it positively. And maybe they're having a little bit of buyer's remorse about that exclusivity deal that they signed with them. And at this point, the cost of not having him on the platform is less than the cost of paying him not to go to a platform that no longer exists. Because they just paid him a reportedly an enormous sum of money, millions and millions of dollars, 
to not go over to Mixer, because realistically, nobody was going over to Facebook Gaming. If any of the scuttlebutt is to be believed, um, both Ninja and Shroud were offered significantly more than their existing Mixer contracts to make the migration over to Facebook Gaming and didn't do it, because nobody with a brand to protect right now wants it associated with Facebook in any way, outside of, like, the normie sphere. Like if, if you have like a tech savvy or like a media savvy audience, you do not want any association yeah. with Facebook. I mean, aren't they going through like a corporate, um, a boycott right now? I think I saw that, uh, oh, who was it? Unilever just, uh, just boycotted advertising on Facebook or something like that. Don't, there's, don't... Been, there's been a lot of pullouts. Um, let me just double check, make sure. Uh, and it, yeah, yeah, Unilever uh, pulled out of both Facebook and uh, a Twitter, I believe. Verizon pledged to uh, pull ads from Facebook. So like that is a super toxic brand. So realistically, the only thing left is YouTube gaming. And if I'm YouTube gaming, I'm not going to be signing any like gigantic, uh, gigantic deals right now. I'm just going to let this toxicity on Twitch play out. And I'm going to sit there and go, Oh, thank goodness. I'm not in the news right now. This is wonderful. <laughs> um, so I kind of wonder if part of the timing is, you know, hey, this guy was already toxic. Um, now that we've made this big splash partnering with him, it reflects on us even more. Uh, and I wonder if they were just waiting for him to do something bannable, that simple, and save themselves some yeah. money. Yeah. They, they very recently signed a... I don't have the exact date or the exact value on this, uh, but they very recently, I think it was within the last two years, signed a very large, yeah, it was, it was so when, when all those streamers were being poached by Mixer, they signed a big exclusivity contract with him. So it still sounds a little bit surprising um, that they dropped him, you know? Yeah, um, it's a huge deal. And I mean, the thing is like, I think at the end of the day, the dock is probably gonna be okay. Uh, but getting deplatformed is extremely traumatic. Like I can, I can probably count on my hands and toes, or my fingers and toes, the number of people that um, have not just successfully, but have, but have, that have thrived moving from one platform over to another. Um, yeah, what's uh... yeah? Sometimes, sometimes it works okay when you continue on the previous platform, um, but fully switching is is often not super fantastic. Yeah, um, as and... as we saw in a topic we're going to be going into with uh, with Ninja and Shroud moving over to Mixer. Oh yeah, uh, let's get through our sponsors real quick here before we move on to that. Uh, this show is brought to you today by Anchor. The Anchor Power Expand Direct 7-in-2 USB-C adapter allows you to connect more devices to your MacBook. Simply attach it to the side of your MacBook via the USB Type-C ports uh, and you will get in return a Thunderbolt port, a USB-C, two USB-3As, one HDMI, one SD, and one micro SD. It supports 4K at 30 hertz over HDMI. And of course, because you've got Thunderbolt 3, you can connect to a Thunderbolt display at up to 5K 60 hertz. It's compatible with MacBook Pro 2016 to 2019 and MacBook Air 2018 and 2019. It includes an 18-month warranty. I would love to see that become standard. Thank you, Anchor. Good guy, Anchor. And you can check it out at Amazon at the link below because they have a 10% coupon available today in the US for a limited time only. 
Man, I really wish Honey was a sponsor today so I could say, just make sure you got Honey installed so you get that coupon applied to your cart. Oy. I was trying to find it, but I, I have Anchor battery banks that I've been using for way, way, way too long and they're still great. So. Anchor's, Anchor's good stuff. They kind of went from absolutely nobody to like, oh yeah, they're like not no, na no name. They're like name brand now. Doing fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, kind of a kind of a hashtag kind of a big deal. Uh, the show is also brought to you today by Moss Organizer. These guys make great backpacks. I, where's my Where's my Moss backpack? Oh, well, whatever. This is a different one. This is very similar to the one that I've been daily driving for well over... Man, has it been like two years now, I think? Long time, ever since I switched from my Razor bag. Just good, good quality stuff. They've got two versions. So the one they want me to... Uh, to highlight is the black pack so they've got the black pack and the black pack grande uh the, the features of the regular version are a capacity of 27 liters uh fits laptops up to 15.6 inches and made of 1680d ballistic nylon for abrasion and tear resistance and a built-in rain cover and the grande is up to 40 liters and fits laptops up to 17 inch with water bottle support up to 40 ounces it can even fit the ltt water bottle lttstore.com and you can grab one today and use offer code Linus Tech to get 15% off everything on the site. Finally, the show is brought to you by Vessi Footwear. You know, I've actually been wearing shoes lately. Vessi sent me over some of their shoes, and I started out just wearing them when I go for bike rides because my dad has this, like, mangled big toe from when he got his big toe stuck in a bike chain when he was a kid. And I was like, yep, I'm oh. aware. I'm aware closed-toed shoes every time I get on a bike. Thank you very much, sir. Um, so I started just wearing them for bike rides. And then they're really convenient to slip on and slip off. So I've started just wearing them to, like, go take out the garbage. Baby steps. I rarely leave the house in them. You know, but baby steps, baby steps. I've been wearing shoes. Vessi has been bringing me slowly back into the shoe fold. And why not? Because their Dymatex material regulates the temperature of your feet, keeping you cool on hot days and warm on cool days. They're flexible and stretchy, and they're one of the lightest sneakers in the world, weighing just 175 grams. One of the coolest features is their antimicrobial insoles to help keep your feet smelling fresh and their waterproofness. So if it's raining or there's some snow, mud, or slush on the ground, you don't have to worry about your feet getting wet. They're available in women's and men's styles in a wide variety of colors, and you can check them out at vessifootwear.com slash Linus Tech Tips. They've even got a choose what you want to pay event, and the more you pay, the more they donate. So that's pretty cool stuff. Go check that out. All right, back to Linus and Luke talking about crazy stuff going on. Can you intro our next topic? Yes. Man, every, this, everything's is crazy today. Topic? Is a mixer one? Yeah, let's talk through that. Why don't we? Microsoft Axes Mixer. I actually said what to my display when I read this. I, I Dude, could I not know. contain it to nobody. I, I, barely use twitter anymore um ever i I'm, I'm not super active on social media these days um but i just blew up when this happened because it's a like especially being sort of in the space it's it's kind of it's huge amazing it's it's massive it's it's not that often you see a platform like this just gone just gone um but yeah acquired yes is mixer. gone no like bizarre uh yeah uh oh okay i thought you were saying that was what happened in the no no like, no no. Ooh. i just mean like to be acquired is like like normal you expect yeah. you know these these platforms to just kind of you know oh sure. yeah i'll acquire yahoo acquired it and you're like what does yahoo even own like what does yahoo even do you know like that kind of thing you expect that but just gone <laughs> they acquire things and then let them die yeah exactly um, <laughs> This one just died on its own, though. Uh, all Mixer sites and apps will redirect users to Facebook gaming. That's crazy. Um, 
which I, I think we're going to have to come back to that in a yeah, moment, especially no during kidding. the current controversy. Holy cow. The, the fact that they decided to do that was nuts. Uh, the company stated in a blog post on June 22nd, blindsiding, definitely. Talked to a few people from that platform, definitely blindsiding streamers, employees, and their partners. The move, Microsoft said, is in direct reaction to the company's lack of success with, with uh, uh, growth in the Mixer audience overall on Fair the enough. platform. There is, if you watch like, uh, Shroud or Ninja on that platform, they will have a lot of viewers. The issue is the platform as a whole, the viewership has not really gone up. And I really do mean that because it seems like the viewers from other streams just went to Shroud and Ninja. Yeah, It I doesn't think... really seem that more people came to Mixer. Don't quote me on this, but I was reading an article that said that in the same time period, Mixer grew by like 1% and Facebook gaming had doubled or something like that. Yeah, I mean, if, if you click on the the blue text that says stats, you should be able to scroll down and see year-over-year -year growth. That's a very interesting chart. And it very accurately displays the issue um, where there was a 0.2% year-over-year growth for Mixer. There we There's go. 138% year-over-year growth for Facebook gaming, 65% for YouTube gaming, and almost exactly 100% for Twitch. There was, no, there was effectively no growth for Mixer. Um, and they had the the highest like opportunity to grow, um, being at a smaller number and bringing in these massive streamers, and yep. they didn't see any growth. Um, streamers crazy. were locked into exclusivity deals with Mixer, and they were fully released from their contracts. So Ninja and Shroud, right. and I believe others, were fully released from their contracts. Ninja's deal was estimated at 20 to $30 million, and he has been fully released from his contract. Uh, Facebook apparently offered them wild amounts of money. I don't have exact. Some people were talking about potentially 2x the original contract amounts. Um, and neither, as far as I know, neither Shroud nor Ninja have publicly stated what they are going to be doing moving forward. I mean, um, I would, I would, for $60 million, I would definitely be thinking about it at least. I, I, I look, look, yeah. you know what? You can Facebook did very bad. Very, very bad. On the record, very bad. Here I am. So clearly they're never going to make me an offer at this point than if I keep burning bridges like this. But uh, man, for like 50 million bucks, uh, man, I, I would at least have to think about it. You know, if they offered me $40 million, like I would definitely, I would definitely have to at least talk to the wife, you know? Like if yeah. Facebook called up and they were like, look, I'll give you $30 million to stream on Facebook gaming. It, it's, it's, worth, it's worth considering. Okay, okay, like, okay, okay, okay. Hypothetical okay, okay, scenario. Okay, okay. They, on, they on, offer on, $20 million. <laughs> Keep going down. <laughs> you have to at least if, think about it. This is set for life money. If they $40 million, but you had to cease all activity on all other platforms. I wouldn't do it. Right? Yeah, I wouldn't okay, do it. Okay, okay. Let's, let's just go. Let's just say uh, Floatplane and YouTube, because those are the other only other, because like Twitter and Instagram is not the same level of video. I have to stop. No, uh, there's no way. I'm a YouTuber. Like for better or for worse, um, I kind of, I kind of live or die by that sword. Um, you know, if if YouTube dies, that's you know, I would probably just, I'd probably just hang up my screwdriver. <laughs> uh, you know, like honestly, like I think I, I, I just, I like, I like the statement. That's I, awesome. I would, I would keep, like, I would probably keep creating some content, but it would be something that I would do as a hobby as opposed to uh, my profession. 
I think is very likely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Think like, things that you found interesting. Like I could see myself legitimately in, in like a semi-retirement where I'm still on something like Floatplane and I'm still on Twitter and just like, you know, tweeting random thoughts and I'm still like, you know, live streaming, just playing video games um, to like that audience in particular is really fun to engage with. Uh, you know, I could I could see myself doing that because it would it would be justifiable because these are paying these are effectively paying customers that want to engage with you, and um, yeah. you know it's it's way better you know use of time compared to you know ad supported platforms. So in that sense, like I could I could definitely justify taking the time to do something like that. But if I was effectively like deplatformed, like where I do most of my volume business as opposed to like my high profit business. I, I just, I don't think I'd want to pick up the pieces again. It's demoralizing, even if I could do it. And I think I could do it. I think I'm a, I think I'm a very good, you know, online personality. Um, I, I think that's fair to say at this point, I think if I wanted to make it as a game streamer, I could make that work or whatever. Um, but it would just be, it would be borderline depressing to have to start over. Yeah, I I could definitely see that. Um, I don't know if that's quite to, what you were asking. Th that is, and I, and I want to jump back on that quick. I just want to finish the notes here. Facebook is offering $2,500 signing bonus to Mixer partners, and it was much easier to become a Mixer partner than it was a Twitch partner. Um, who they, They're offering that $2,500 if they join uh, the Facebook Gaming Creator Program and stay for 90 days along with fulfilling obligations, which is probably like minimum streaming times and days, et cetera. Interesting. Um, now, what do you think... Let's focus on what everybody's focusing on, which is which is Ninja and Shroud. What do you think they will do? And you can answer, answer uh, individually if you want. I think they're going to end up going back to Twitch. I think that they're going to go back to Twitch with uh, less lucrative deals. But I think Twitch is in a position where, again, talking about you know deplatforming. So they deplatformed from Twitch. Do you think after after getting potentially thirty million dollars as a signing bonus, then just being able to walk away? that Ninja is going to, in a certain way, crawl back to Twitch and take a worse contract. What are his other options? He could just quit. Well, he could stream wherever he wants. He could go to YouTube. I... He, he has, at this point, he has spoken out against Twitch specifically, and they trashed his channel after he left. Do you remember that? That's true. No, I had actually forgotten about that. I did know that they weren't going to accept them back with open arms. I do know that. Yeah, like 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 Ninja had to specifically call out Twitch for abusing his channel, um, and th there was uh, there there was some very odd content posted on his stream. I don't remember exactly what it was, um, but but they they posted stuff on his page that he was very not okay with. Um, YouTube chats like OnlyFans. <laughs> Oh man, oh, you know, what is the, man, what is the answer? Because nothing beats the discoverability. Well, okay. They have terrible discoverability, but once you're big, nothing beats the discoverability of Twitch. If you're a game streamer, period. Um, yep. If you don't want to get in bed with Facebook, which I could understand not wanting to do, you can't go there. YouTube gaming. Like, like, like it, So Shroud. Yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't be too surprised if he went back to Twitch. Uh, I, I feel like his, his cut from Twitch was much cleaner. Um, he wasn't the first. 
yeah, for sure. Um, and I don't, I don't remember much public, at least, major fighting between them. Ninja's cut from Twitch was not clean. Um, he got very upset with them. They seemed to get pretty upset with him. Um, the, the Twitch as a whole streamed some stuff on his page that he was extremely not okay with. I don't want to say the word for what it was because it might uh, flag this video. Um, but like, and, and he he posted a whole video, uh, essentially, if we want to use like civilization terms, uh, he denounced tw Twitch denounced in a certain them. way. Like, like we've been playing Civ lately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving back to <laughs> why do they keep denouncing me? They just have more. I just have more great people than them. Um, but uh, <laughs> I guess in this situation, actually. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would be a very interesting move if he went back to Twitch, and I think it would definitely take some explanation due to the fighting that has happened in the past. Um, and I think it would take both sides kind of coming together and trying to wipe the slate clean. I do not think it would just be Ninja crawling back. I think it would be both sides trying to uh, split their differences and try to move forward if he goes back to Twitch. I honestly wouldn't be too surprised if he maybe went to YouTube. My reasoning for that is Facebook super controversial right now. Yep. I would be very surprised if either of them went to Facebook. Um, Twitch for Ninja is rather controversial right now. I wouldn't be stunned, but I'd be a little bit surprised if if they made that work again. But YouTube is kind of this neutral zone. Um, it also doesn't go in line with the the statements he was making when he first moved to Mixer, which is that he could maybe uh, help guide and direct the direction there and, and have a bigger voice. Yeah, having a bigger voice. I think he'll have YouTube. no voice at YouTube, basically. Yeah, uh, they don't really seem to care. I was actually decently surprised that the youtube gaming numbers were as high as they were on that stats page me too just i mean they like, even killed the dedicated time. app last year they killed the dedicated app and when's the yeah. last time they said anything about youtube gaming they're just lucky Nothing. i guess and just it just carries from the the youtube name as a whole so well, yes I, and no i mean there's uh, there's no luck to how good youtube is at live true. video delivery and vod video delivery like good engineering at some point is valuable yeah the is horrible um, the actual usability of youtube live is terrible um i mean i know how to like, use it like, now it's okay <laughs> yeah but the, it's not the, a good the selling, level selling intuitiveness and, and ease of use is probably close to worth and worst in the industry um i'm, I'm sure they'll figure it out because they're youtube but right now it's very bad so like i i just losing his voice almost completely all these other things would be a surprising, I don't know, everything from him, I think is just going to be a surprising move. Because like the, the YouTube move is so against the reason why he went to Mixer. Yeah. And the Twitch move is so against everything as far as I know that he said about Twitch since he left. So, so uh, you know what? I mean, you know, 20 or 30 million, or let's say it's even just $10 million. That really is set for life money. Um, maybe they just stream as a hobby and it actually doesn't really matter where they go. You know what? I'm, I'm here. Okay, fine. Fine. With all the extra information you've given me, you've made it easier. I think, uh, I think Ninja stays on YouTube. I think Shroud makes a triumphant return back to Twitch. There. Because, I mean, Ninja's got like 20 million subscribers on YouTube. It's not like he's like starting over there. He's really big on YouTube. Yeah. He would do super well. He always had massive Fortnite clips. Yeah, um, he would do super well on YouTube for sure.
And he, he was one of the Twitch people who always talked about their YouTube audience as well. And like, like YouTube felt like a, like a side thing sure. in, in, in the story instead of a, uh, weird underlying platform. Like it was, it was a platform that he definitely cared a lot about. Still. I'm going to say neither of them gets a sweetheart deal to go anywhere though, at this point. Uh, except for Facebook, but well, apparently they've both publicly turned it down. Yeah. So, but they still got the deal. Well, yeah. yeah, He's uploaded, uh, well, who knows if it's him or not, but uh, whoever manages his YouTube channel has uploaded a video there as recently as seven hours ago. Yep. And that wasn't like a, oh, geez, we have to keep this going. There's there's videos going up there all the time. They could come to Floatplane. Just saying. We've, uh, I had someone in chat actually ask, uh, this is a super chat uh, over on YouTube, could Floatplane support um, those kinds of viewers? Um, the answer is yes, but with a big asterisk. So yeah. <laughs> uh, right now, the way it's architected, we could support a nearly unlimited number of concurrent viewers, but not a nearly unlimited number of concurrent streamers. So if that, like yeah. one There's of them... More top of that as well but yeah yeah if if one of them showed up we could probably make it work if like <laughs> you know all three of these guys knocked on our door and were like hey we'd have to we'd have to real quick fast duct tape engineer some stuff and uh, be, it might not be smooth probably wouldn't go that well probably we could try though probably wouldn't be smooth well, well we could like we'll, well, we could manually baseball try we could manually d- no no hold on a second hold on i got an idea i got a workaround luke we just manually fully duplicate the entire streaming infrastructure we have now for each of them. Beautiful. Okay, tell me it wouldn't work. Tell me it wouldn't work. I mean... Go on. I think AJ would have to like take the the second half of the year off and do all the rest of his hours in the next four weeks, but... (laughs) Tell um, me it wouldn't work. I mean, you could do it. Hey, there it is. There it is. Let's get it done. Yeah, we've done most of our work on VOD at this point. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, okay, do we have any other big topics? I feel like we still do. Is there anything? Oh, my so. goodness. Microsoft to permanently close all physical retail all stores. Um, yeah, apparently this was not uh, pandemic-related, or at least not pandemic-hinged. Like, it wasn't purely done because of the pandemic. Um Retail is dying. I think at the same, yeah, retail is dying. And I've walked past many a Microsoft store and seen them completely empty. Um, but I think Microsoft is having a little bit of trouble. Like, like honestly, outside of Xbox, they are a little bit newer to the hardware space. Yes. They're not brand new, but they're a new player they needed more they need more actual microsoft products to make it worth it to go in their store and experience them and experience them working together that's why apple is successful because in order to in part of experiencing an apple product is experiencing how it works with apple's other products whereas i don't think microsoft really has that story in a compelling way outside of xbox and even that is basically in its infancy as far as i can tell like they're really still like if if part of the experience of going to a microsoft store was gaming with my friend on a PC and me being on an Xbox, that'd be like super cool. I'd be like, yeah, that's something that you, that's an experience that you would have to go to a store in order to, to have and fully, fully appreciate. Um, 
but when Microsoft started just like filling up these stores with like partner notebook SKUs and stuff like that, I was like, ah, what are you guys even doing? Like there's no money in reselling notebooks. And I'm not, that's not to say that there is zero money in it. There's just not enough to support all that retail overhead. And Microsoft's not the kind of company that can afford the risk of having poorly trained people in their stores that, you know, create some kind of racist hullabaloo or whatever the case may be. Like you just, you just can't afford it. So they have to have expensive and thorough training programs and all that stuff. And there's just so much overhead involved. So this doesn't surprise me. Uh, see, I have seen a lot of them, so I thought they were more common, uh, but apparently seven of them, uh, are in British Columbia, Alberta and Ontario. So maybe that's why I think that, but they only had 83 stores worldwide, which is a lot less than I thought. 72 of them were in us. Wow. Yeah. So they were basically all North American. Yep. So this was. Do they have one in the Taiwan Tech Mall? Is that like the other one? I'm not sure. I thought like Razor had a store there or something. I think they only have four outside of that. So like, yeah, I, I don't know. Online's the way to go, and they've got some cool new features coming to their online storefronts, including one-to-one -one video chat. That's pretty cool. Online That's tutorials, <clears throat> virtual workshops, and more digital solutions. That makes so much more sense because it's like. I remember someone talking to me about why I don't do more in-person uh, fan engagement. And the, the cold hard truth is that it's not great use of my time. Not because I don't enjoy it. I really do. And that's why we do LTX, or at least we normally do, uh, because I, I love it. It's a blast. The problem is that if I have two hours to do something, I can either tweet like, hey, anyone want to meet up at the Starbucks? And I can engage with three people or I can sit down in front of my computer and live stream and engage with a thousand people or 10,000 people or a hundred thousand people. Uh, so, you know, what's a better return on the investment of my time at that point online? I don't think, I don't think your Civ streams get a hundred thousand people, bro. They get a thousand. And that was one of the numbers I said. <laughs> <laughs> if I make a video, I can reach a hundred thousand people like that. So there it's you true. go. It's smart guy. It's true. Yeah, w one cool thing actually in in hearing the part about like the the one to one video chat, yeah. more online tutorials, uh, virtual workshops, and stuff like that, is there's no information yet about layoffs. I would find it extremely difficult for them to keep everyone related to all eighty three stores yeah. employed in those ways. But they might be able to flip some of them, and being able to retain any of these people during a pandemic is really good news for those people. Yeah. Um, and being able to transition those people to potentially working from home is also kind of a cool idea. Um, some of the Microsoft stores will apparently be reimagined as Microsoft experience centers in London, New York City, Sydney, and Redmond. That might even be a better idea. Oh man, there's like so much news this week. We didn't even talk about this yet. Uh, NVIDIA releases the first driver with DirectX 12 Ultimate support and hardware accelerated GPU scheduling. Also, there's a Windows update that shows your GPU temps right in Task Manager. That's so cool. Um, so yeah. this is really good news for RTX card owners, uh, making RTX variable rate shading and mesh shading easier for developers to implement. That's great. They also support hardware accelerated GPU scheduling, which allows the GPU to directly manage VRAM. Sweet. Microsoft says this lowers latency and can lead to higher minimum FPS numbers. 
love it. And there was just one more thing that I wanted to talk about. Wow, we didn't even talk about the whole Apple arm thing, but that's okay. I did a dedicated video about that reaching a million people, by the way, Luke. Um, <laughs> uh, wait, no, I guess that's it. Was it just like a super chat thing that I had wanted to talk about? Uh, Steam Summer Sale. Oh, Steam Summer uh, Sale. Rip your wallet. Civ 6 is 15 bucks. Um, oh, you gotta be, so you gotta be kidding me. I just paid 80 <laughs> Canadian dollars for it. Uh, you may be able to, uh, ask for a refund and, uh, they, they will basically give you the difference between the discounted price. Yeah. It's called price protection. Uh, yeah. I can, I yeah. can apply for price protection. I may, I may just do that because that's a lot of money. Anyway. Yeah. There's um, also a bunch of other interesting discounts. It's the steam summer sale. Almost every discount is going to be the same as almost every other steam sale, but there is some cool stuff in there. Man, there's even super chats about how doomed retail is. Uh, Macy's is apparently cutting staff. I just saw in the news uh, a couple days ago, GNC filing for bankruptcy and closing 1,200 stores. So that's like uh, one of those like that, supplement vitamin that? places. Ch Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck no. E. Cheese filing for bankruptcy. Yeah. Chuck E. Cheese? Not Chuck yeah. E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese parent company, company closed to... 34 locations permanently. Whoa. It's it, I went there a little while ago, the one in Langley. It was pretty bad. It's like they haven't really they done anything. Had that, they had that story about reusing pizza and stuff too. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Crash crawlies. Crash crawlies for life. Actually, their food's pretty bad too. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. sorry. Back to back to super chats here. Um, Pro Gogurt says, "How do you think the PS5 SSD will compare to Optane?" Um, I mean, it's just, it's such an apples to oranges comparison. Optane no, is all know. about low latency and the PS5 SSD is all about, uh, architecting, um, the, the whole system so that games have direct access to the data on it. So it's just like, it's just not the same thing at all, so to speak. Uh, AJ35 Lightning says, would you consider dailying the new Xperia 1? Actually, yeah, um, I would definitely consider it because the one thing my Note 9 does not do well these days compared to uh, newer phones is the camera is falling behind a little bit. Uh, da, 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 da. Core Maximus says, after 90, 90 days after purchase, Netgear charges $100 for phone support to file an RMA. Really wish I didn't buy a Nighthawk after seeing your sponsored vid. I'm really sorry to hear that. Is there a reason you didn't file an RMA online, though? You got to understand, I mean, I'm not saying this is right. That's horrible, and they shouldn't do that. But Netgear is more of like a B2B um, slash, uh, yeah, business-to-business -business company. And so it's pretty normal for you to have paid phone support after a very short period of time for those types of products. And I think this is one of those cases where they just don't really fully understand that when you're selling to consumers, you like actually can't do that. Um, so yeah, raise a stink, complain, uh, try and get a refund, but it doesn't surprise me that much. But it also doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad product. I'm sorry yours was uh, DOA though. Uh, Ludo says, I'm already paying on Floatplane. Hi from Quebec. You inspired me to work in IT Yay. and then leave the field because I liked it better as a hobby LMAO. You know, I don't, <laughs> even, I don't even blame you. Don't even blame yeah. you. Yeah. What else have we got here? Uh, Mohammed says, sends $10. Thanks for the free bottle replacement after the paint job faded. It's not free anymore if you send a $10 super chat, dude. 
Uh, General Disregard says, uh, gotta keep the personal protective... Wait, no. PPT. What's PPT performance on point? PPT? What is PPT performance, Luke? Help me out. Performance product uh, technologies? PowerPoint? Oh, PowerPoint. Oh, that's probably when we're talking about the Intel thing. All right, fair enough. Uh, what else we got? In the Intel slides, it compared a 3400G with integrated graphics versus an i3 with a dedicated GPU. I actually didn't even notice that. I, I'd have to look closer at them to validate that. But uh, all right, thanks, Christian Johnson. Um, Let me have a look. Is there anything else? Uh, Josh asks, how can Floatplane succeed when Mixer and Microsoft cannot? Yes, it's different, but Floatplane was just included in the same category. Let's hear it. Well, Floatplane for better or for worse, hasn't really found its um, its calling yet. I mean, I think if Luke and I had said two years ago, uh, you know what, let's do an OnlyFans-type concept, uh, Floatplane could absolutely be a gigantic platform today. It's not a deficiency of the actual video delivery technology. It's just a matter of us figuring out sort of what the identity needs to be because I think the earlier vision was that creators would just kind of decide what the identity was, but that seems to have kind of uh, made our messaging unclear. Um, we still we still have work to do on the site anyway. And the thing about Floatplane is that massive shout out, by the way, to our Floatplane pilots and all the people who follow slash subscribe slash whatever we call it um, on Floatplane to Linus Media Group and to the other creators we have on there, like Bitwit, Tech Deals, uh, UFD, uh, Forgotten Weapons is one that's actually been crushing it on the platform lately. Uh, he's uploaded, he's uploaded, look at this, he's uploaded 10 videos in the last week. And just like I, uh, killing it there. I, I already watched a lot of his content, but now I watched like a lot, a lot of his content. Really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Um, a, a, fun one, a fun one about that, I don't, I don't know. Worst AK ever. I'm going to go into it anyways, but um, a, a fun one about that is that I can watch his content with my grandpa. Right. And my oh, grandpa yeah, grandpa's will, super like, into that. Yeah, and he'll he'll like add in his own like experience or knowledge of, of those firearms and whatever else as well. And that's really interesting too. So that's it's it's made this like cool loop where I just like email my grandpa videos from him and yeah. go like, oh, I thought this one was cool because of these reasons. And where and your grandpa actually understands what you do for a living, even though you're like... A developer. It's, it's pretty much the only thing that's been able to like <laughs> bring us together in that way. It's been kind of cool. That is very cool. Because yeah. I remember your grandpa was not super approving of like our shenanigans in the early days. No. He threatened me with a knife <laughs> at one point. That was very awkward. <laughs> yeah, I, that was that was really not great. He also, when I made the, uh, I don't know if the, the audience knows this, but when I made the Fallout Bomb video, um, he took that a little seriously instead of just like that. I built a computer inside of a, a thing. He was a, like, a prop from a video game. Because the authorities might come for you and stuff. And I'm like, it's okay. It's okay, Gramps. Uh, They're a little bit more calm about internet stuff these days. Everyone's yep. all right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, oh, beca because of the supporters that we have over there now, we can take our time. Uh, we don't have to worry about like, oh, you know, we're losing money. Well, we gotta we gotta sell this thing, or we gotta you know go raise a bunch of venture capital from people who are gonna pressure us to sell it, or pressure us to to change it in ways that we don't agree with, or whatever the case may be. Um, we can take our time. We can figure out what it is. Um, you know, I'll I'll say it outright. Like 
I would not be against bringing on a controversial figure like Dr. Dr. Disrespect, or I would not be we have against to know what happened first. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't mind knowing what happened, but in general, we are not looking to shy away from controversial figures, and I don't even think we would shy away from someone who's posting explicit stuff either. Like it's, it, it doesn't really have an identity, and that was sort of intentional. Um, but we'll see whether we decide to change that in the future and and kind of rebrand it in some way, or whether we decide to leave it the way that it is. Right. Yeah. So that's my long answer to that question. Um. Eric Jackson says, can I get a shout out for Adored TV? He was even on one of those video card slides. There it is. Shout out to Adored TV right there. Yeah. And I think that's pretty much it for the show. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Wow, a ton of you watching today. Holy smokes. Over 3,000 on Twitch, over 13,000 on YouTube, and then I still don't have a live viewer counter on uh, Floatplane, Luke. I'm sure you're working on that. Uh, so how, however many over on Floatplane. Yeah. However many on Floatplane. <laughs> Actually, a lot more than we used to have. I can just tell by all the chat activity. So thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Bye.